Good morning. Before I do anything, I do want to say this because I don't want to forget. Y'all have a pretty amazing choir. Really. That, that, that last hymn, it might not be a big choir, but y'all are good. I love it. And then we got to that third verse and someone was up in the rafters and I'm like, oh my, I love that. If you will, let's open our Bibles this morning uh, to the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 12. And let's read. And a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. I want to pause there for just a second because I do want to make sure we understand the imagery as we read. Uh, this is the first great character in chapter 12, the woman, beautifully clothed, beautifully adorned, and this woman represents the church. I'll tell you why she represents the church. Because the church is given the task of bringing Christ into this world. And as we see in this passage, she will bring the one who represents Christ into this world. And I know this is the church because she, after she brings Christ into the world, she continues to bear offspring like you and like me. We are products of the church. And so there is the, the woman representing the church. She was pregnant, as we continue on in the passage, and was crying out in birth pains and with the agony of giving birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, and on his heads were seven diadems. Again, I want to pause right here. Second great character of Revelation chapter 12, and it is the dragon. It would not surprise you, I'm sure, to find out that the dragon represents Satan himself. Later on in the passage of Revelation, uh, John makes it very clear that this dragon is Satan, the accuser of the brethren. We, we see him, uh, I, I, it's interesting, because we see him in Genesis chapter 1 as what? As a serpent. And I, I don't know, he got really brave and did the little Pokemon evolution kind of thing. And in Revelation chapter 12, we now see him as the dragon. Continuing on in the passage, his tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. The woman gave birth to a male child who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. And again, here we pause for just a second. The one who rules all nations is none but Christ himself. But her child was caught up into heaven and his throne, and the woman fled to the wilderness where she, was, where she has a place prepared by God in which she is to be nourished for 1,260 days. Now the scene shifts. Now a war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was defeated, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren have breth brothers has been thrown down who accused them day and night before our God. And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb 
and by the word of their testimony, for they love not their lives even unto death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath, because he knows that his time is short. And when the dragon saw that he had been thrown down to earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. But the woman was given two wings of the great eagle so that she might fly from the serpent into the wilderness to a place, that she, uh, to a place where she is to be nourished for a time and times and half a time. The serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman to sweep her away with a flood but the earth came to the help of the woman and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed the river that the great dragon had poured from his mouth then the dragon became furious with the woman and went off to make war on the rest of her offspring on those who keep the commandments of god and hold to the testimony of jesus and he stood on the sands of the sea this is the word of the lord thanks be to god Lord, we thank you so much. We ask that you would speak to our hearts. We ask that you would comfort us with your word. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Uh, I tell Will, 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 Nick, there's so many of my great friends that are here at Westminster Presbyterian Church. Will and Nick and Nate and Chris and Kara and just so many of my, this feels like a second home. So I love being here. I love when I get the opportunity to preach here. And I love the friendship that I have with your pastor. We've been great friends for years. Uh, I knew Ender before he could walk, if you can imagine. Uh, so we've, we've been friends for quite a few years and I appreciate uh, his friendship and to have confidence in me uh, to preach on a passage out of Revelation. He texted me uh, a few weeks ago. He says, have you ever preached out of Revelation chapter 12? So, so I texted him back because Will and I have this relationship where throughout the years, when we need to bounce sermon ideas off of each other, we kind of sit down and we talk it out. And so I texted him back. Not that I can remember, but I'm happy to sit with you and talk it through. I get his response text, which was, no, I was going to ask you to preach it. I was like, <laughs> to which I responded, you do realize that you're asking someone who leads a middle school ministry to preach out of the book of Revelation. And of course, Will says, oh, Orlando, come on, you've been in ministry for 20 whatever years. I'm like, all right. And so I do, I do love uh, his friendship and I love his honesty. I called him and I said, Will, this is some weighty stuff. This is, this is some, there's lots of here to begin to pull from and draw from. Uh, I said, so I need to know how long can I go in the sermon? And, and Will said, Orlando, you preach as long as you need to. Everyone leaves at 1130, but you just stay there and you keep going if that's what you need to do. So I do, I do love Will and, and his friendship. Uh, but I'm going to start off by being very transparent today. I'm going to share something with you this morning that uh, is very hard to do publicly. Uh, it's very hard to admit. Uh, some of you may know this about me. Some of you have no idea about this. Uh, but I need to share, just starting off, that I am um, 47 years old. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Orlando... You don't look a day older than 46. Thank you. I appreciate that. I do appreciate that. Um, I do not feel a day younger than 60, but that's a whole different story. 
But the fact that I am 47, born in 1940, rather 1973, means that I am old enough to remember uh, the very beginnings of what is one of the greatest movie franchises ever, and that is Star Wars. That's right, I got to see Star Wars uh, as it first came out. They've done a whole lot of stuff to it now. But I've got to see Star Wars in all its low-def, Muppet creature glory. None of this ruined CGI, 4K tainted business. When I saw Jabba the Hutt for the first time, he was the largest Muppet I had ever seen, and someone was in there controlling his, his head. And when I saw Yoda, I mean, it was... Yoda now is really cool because he can have these lightsaber battles, but the old Yoda was just this, you knew he was a puppet, but you still loved him in all his uh, Yoda-ness. Uh, almost, from, almost from go, I was hooked on Star Wars. And as a child, I don't think I, know why it, I knew why it resonated with me, uh, but it did. It really resonated very deeply with me. Now that I'm an adult, I think I do know why, though. Star Wars tells a tale as old as time. You, if you saw the sermon title, you thought I was going to go Disney, uh, Beauty and the Beast, but that's not the case. We're going Star Wars. Star Wars really is a tale as old as time. It's a story with a theme repeated in all of my favorites. We see this theme in Star Wars repeated in things like Toy Story and every single Marvel movie. And, 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 and all of the greats share the same, uh, Superman does. All, all of the greats share the same theme. And the theme is simply this idea of good versus evil. There's something about the struggle between good and evil that resonates deep within every single one of us. I'm sure that if you think about it, uh, the good versus evil theme resonates with you too. You and I look at Revelation chapter 12, and while it can seem overwhelming, and while it can seem weighty, we can't look away. And the reason we can't look away is because we're captivated by the story. Not only because as we read Revelation chapter 12, we see the story of good versus evil, we actually see something even more epic than that, and that's the story of God versus evil. The original tale is old as time. Revelation chapter 12 reminds us that there are elements of our Christian experience that have been part of the Christian experience of all the saints throughout all the ages of the church. I'd like to talk about some of those truths. Will and I did sit down for breakfast one day and I said, look, Will, you've got to remember, I'm, I'm old school Pentecostal. I grew up in Assemblies of God Church and now I'm, I'm Presbycostal, part Presbyterian, part Pentecostal. <laughs> And you are inviting me to talk on Revelation. I said, I, I do want to sit down and just chat to make sure that uh, I'm not going too Pentecostal. And I, I just want to make sure. He's like, hey, Orlando, I want you to sit down and I want you to share the big ideas that are true throughout all the ages. And as I looked at this, I thought, oh, there are some great truths that are as old as time. And the very first truth as old as time that I find as we look at Revelation chapter 12 is the fact that you and I, the church in general, have an adversary. I want you to know that I believe in a God that is all-knowing. He is omniscient. God knows everything about me. God knows everything about you. God knows everything going on in the world at any given moment. He is all-knowing. 
and he loves us anyway. I do believe in a God that is all present. He is present everywhere. Omnipresent is the word. I do believe that there is a God that is with us here today as we sit in Westminster Presbyterian Church, who is also across town at First Presbyterian Church, who is also at First Baptist Church, and he might visit Second Baptist Church from time to time. No, I'm kidding. He is at Second Baptist Church, and he's here in the United States, and he is with our persecuted brethren in China and places like Cuba, and he is all over the world, all at the same time. I do believe in an all-present God, and I believe in an all-powerful God. I believe in a God that is omnipotent. I believe there is nothing God cannot do. I believe that God can heal the sick. I believe that God can raise the dead and give sight to the blind. I have seen God do the miraculous in my own life. I believe in an um, um, omnipotent God. But I also believe that there is a being who is cunning but not omniscient. Who is present in our world but not omnipresent. Who is powerful but not omnipotent. And I believe that this being is at war with God, the church, and his people. He is the dragon of Revelation chapter 12. As you read Revelation chapter 12 and see him symbolized here as a dragon, don't, don't just kind of gloss over that. This dragon is a very real being. He is the serpent of Genesis chapter 3 from our Old Testament passage. He is the devil. He is the, he is the accuser. He is Satan. He is the adversary. And I think perhaps the greatest tool that the devil has used in his favor is convincing people that he doesn't exist, is convincing people that he's not real. Symbols don't hurt anybody. Symbols don't wield power. These are just symbols. He's not really real, right? He is. Maybe you sit there and say, hey, Orlando, you don't have to convince us. Amarillo, Texas is in the shiny buckle of the Bible belt. I don't know. Maybe you do need to be convinced because Barna, a faith-based research group, reports that almost 60% of Americans agree to some degree or another that Satan isn't a living being, but a symbol of evil. No. No, he's not just a symbol. Same, Satan is a living being at war with the church. Please don't dismiss Satan simply as a myth. Billy Graham puts it this way. I love using great quotes from preachers like Billy Graham because then I sound smarter than I actually am. But Billy Graham says this. He says, don't think of Satan as a harmless cartoon character with a red suit and a pitchfork. He is very clever and powerful and unchanging in his purpose to defeat God's plan at every turn, including his plan for your life. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. If you don't believe Billy Graham, you've got to believe Peter. 1 Peter 5, 8 says, Be sober-minded and watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. We have an adversary and an enemy, and he is real. Our enemy is real, 
and because our enemy is real, this second truth as old as time is also real. And that's the fact that we are engaged in a great struggle. The struggles of Revelation chapter 12, the struggles in John, John's vision are relatively obvious. The dragon stands ready to devour the woman's child. A great war arises in heaven as Michael and the angels fight the dragon and his minions. I almost didn't use the word minions there because when we think minions, we think small, little, yellow. But I think you know what I'm talking about. The dragon is thrown down to earth where he makes war with the woman's offspring. And the woman's offspring are defined as those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. And some of you are thinking right there, wait a minute, Orlando. I was comfortable when all this sounded like it was going on in the spiritual realm. But that last little bit sounds like the dragon is mad at me. Well, he is. We are all image bearers of God. We bear the image of God, each and every one of us. And when Satan sees the image of God in each and every one of us, he hates us for it. We are caught in the most epic conflict of all time. I wish... Life was perfect, but it isn't. Watch the news. I wish life was perfect, but it isn't. Case in point, all of 2020. Global pandemics, race riots, Murder hornets. We haven't heard about those murder hornets for a while, but I'm convinced that they are hiding at my house somewhere. Every time I see a wasp, I'm like, that could be one of them. <laughs> There's a great struggle going on. And all of that, all of that, in all of those moments, our world seems like it's falling apart. Humanity sometimes seems like it's falling apart. If you're like me, sometimes you feel like you're falling apart. But all of that is just symptoms of the great conflict going on around us. This week, I got a chance to pray over a friend who said, this COVID thing is really getting to me and I'm feeling depressed and I don't know what to do. And I called her back and got her voicemail. So I was like, all right. I told my wife, if we get her voicemail, that's okay. We're going to pray for her over voicemail. So she's like, great idea. And so I'm like, you first. And so we called right and got voicemail and and so Dina started to pray. That's my wife. And she started to pray. And my wife definitely is a prayer. Uh, when we want to have a hot meal, we, we don't ask her to pray because it kind of starts to get cool by the time she finishes praying. But I let her go first. 
And so she prayed and prayed this beautiful prayer. And then she's like, okay, you. And so I start to pray, but she prayed long enough that it took up the capacity of the voicemail message. <laughs> so I got in all of, Lord, I ask you to, your message has exceeded the limitations. But we prayed for her. I have a dear friend going through stage four liver cancer. Friend of the family that I've known for probably since I was 14. And I look at all of those things and I think that they're just symptoms of the conflict going on all around me. The struggle that is very real. But this great struggle isn't going on just all around us. This great struggle between God and evil also happens within us. Paul says it this way, for I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate, for I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Look around you, look in the lives of your friends, look within you and view your own personal struggle and know that the struggle that we're in, we have an enemy and he is causing great conflict in us and around us and both of those are truths that are old as time. I know that there are preachers out there who are going to promise that everything will get better if you just believe, if you just have this positive confession, you can live your best life now. But sadly, that line of thinking actually runs contrary to the words of Christ. John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus himself says, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. And then listen to this, in the world you will have tribulation. In the world you will, not might, not possibility. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I've overcome the world. The truths that apply across the whole of humanity's ex existence are that we have a real enemy, the devil, who engages us in a real struggle. Those are two absolute truths that have held true throughout all of humanity's existence and will continue to hold true. Let's pray. Wait, I know you're thinking, wait Orlando, that's it? You're gonna stop right there, really? You're gonna bring me into the church after I've had a really difficult week and you're gonna tell me that the truth is we have an enemy that is real and you're gonna tell me that the truth is we have um, a struggle that is real and you're gonna stop right there, Orlando. Is that, is that right? You are a middle school minister. <laughs> Just <laughs> Orlando, you get the award for most encouraging sermon ever. <laughs> You're right. You're right. It's really easy to get caught up in the fatalistic mentality of focusing on the negative things alone. But we get this glimmer of hope in John 16, where Jesus says, in this world you will have tribulation, that we realize fully in Revelation chapter 12, Jesus does say, in this world you will have tribulation. But then he says, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Yes, we have an enemy that is real. Yes, 
We are engaged in a struggle, in a great conflict. This is real. But what I can tell you is that, yes, we have a victory that will ultimately be very real for each and every one of us. We look in the, in the, in the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 12, and the one who declares the victory is this great voice of God. And he says, and they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. First John chapter 3, verse 8 says, The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. Yes, we are engaged in a conflict, but I have read the end of the book, and guess what? We win. <laughs> Our enemy is defeated. And he's defeated for two reasons. One, that great voice from heaven says, and they overcame by the blood of the lamb. We are victorious because of God's finished work through Jesus Christ on the cross. It's not anything we can do. Can I tell you something? You can't be smart enough. I can't be smart enough to gain my own victory. I'm pretty smart, but I can't be smart enough to gain victory on my own. I need the blood of the lamb. You can't be good looking enough to gain your own victory. I'm pretty good looking, but not good looking enough to gain my own victory. I need the blood of and they overcame by the blood of the Lamb, by Christ's finished work on the cross. When he stood on the cross, when he was nailed to the cross and says the words, it is finished. What he was declaring is that everything needed for our ultimate victory had been accomplished through his sacrifice. And they overcame by the blood of the Lamb. Can I tell you something though? Satan wants to keep news of his defeat as quiet as possible. No one wants to publicize their loss. My, my children uh, are joining me here today, and I have two boys, and I can tell you, particularly because of the two boys, that sibling rivalry is real. <laughs> Don't know if you knew that, but it is. And uh, they enjoy playing uh, Madden 2020, which is a, a football video game. Right? And my two boys will play Madden 2020. And recently, one of them was beating the other. I will not tell you who was beating whom so as not to embarrass the larger, older one of my sons. <laughs> but the, the, the other son, you know what he did? And I think he did it just to poke at him. He took a picture of the end score. It was 36.51. Took a picture of it and posted it on his Instagram story. Because he wanted to let everyone know that he had won. You know what? They overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. 
It is our job in our gospel proclamation to proclaim, you know what? In Christ, I already have the victory. How many times in the past has the enemy thrown your past failures in the face? Well, you know what? When he says, and they overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony, he's saying it's time to use our words to throw our ultimate victory in the face of the enemy because we have overcome by the word of our testimony, by the gospel proclamation there is a world out there that knows or senses to some degree in their spirit that they have someone who attacks them, an enemy who is real. They know or sense somehow that they are engaged in a great worldwide struggle between good and evil that is real. And they need to hear from us and the word of our testimony that there is ultimate victory in Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross. They overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Here's what I find amazing about that last timeless truth. We will be victorious in the end. It may not feel like victory right now, but we will be victorious in the end. And if you aren't victorious yet, just know then it's not the end. Yes, life is difficult. It's difficult because we have a real enemy who rages against us. As you see those around you struggle, remind them of these timeless truths. As you yourself struggle externally and internally, be reminded, yeah, that's the normal existence of humanity. But give yourself and others a reason to hope. Our victory will be made real. It might not look like it right now, but we will overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your goodness and your faithfulness. I pray that we would understand these timeless truths, that our existence with an enemy and a struggle is, is part of humanity's existence. But as the offspring of the church, we have hope because of the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.